Mike Espy joins the show to talk about playing receiver under Eli Manning, the 2001 Arkansas game, that magical 2003 season, the difference in camp. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about. He's going to be around for the full show today, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Locked Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm here with Mike Espy. Don't forget to subscribe to our socials, both here, TikTok, and Instagram. And, of course, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to get right into it. Mike, how you doing, bud? But I'm doing great, man. It's good to be here. Good to be on here with you. All right. Thank you very much for coming aboard. we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I don't know if you heard the laundry list that I went through. But okay. let's, start, let's start out with fall camp. With camp going on, Talk about your favorite fall camp memory playing football. Oh, man. Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I don't know if there's like a favorite. Uh, <laughs> there's very memorable uh, in terms of the heat, uh, being out there, full pads. Um, at the time when I was at Ole Miss, Ole Miss had turf on the game field, and I, we would go out there and do our summer conditioning, and then we would have a lot of the practices on the turf. So I remember looking out at that heat index that was on the turf. Sometimes, well, a lot of times it would read over three digits. Uh, so cleats melting or feeling like they're melting. Uh, but at the same time, as I look back on it, man, they were great times, great memories. I remember one practice, uh, I caught a slant. And we were on the game field. I caught a slant. And uh, Patrick Willis uh, was right by, like I caught it. He was right behind me. Now, we're on the game field, and we're making it like a game. So I sprinted. We were probably about on the 25 or 30 um, on our side. Man, I sprinted the entire length of the field, and he was trailing me step for step the entire length of the field. He didn't gain a step, but he was, he was, he was right there the whole way. And I remember that was a moment when I said to myself, man, that kid, that guy's going to be special. And, and he is. You know, just to transfer over to the new camp, I'm hearing a lot of people play and talking about um, Quinshawn Judkins and Davison Igbenosin um, in a similar way that veterans talk way back then about Patrick. Are, are you hearing anything similar? Man, I'm hearing a lot of great things about them, man. Um, you know, but not only them, I'm hearing a lot of good things about everybody. So I'm just really interested to see when we actually come out this season, um, our schedule is seemingly not that strong coming out. But you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at that in a way of, man, we get to get ourselves together. We got we have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of opportunities to to mess up, hit some bumps in the road, so that by the time we get to some solid SEC play, we will have ironed out all the kinks. Or you can look at it like, like. Um, the potential to look over somebody. Um, so I'm just interested to see how Lane puts all the pieces together uh, and they come out this year. Yeah, you had an interesting tweet a couple of days ago where you said that this wide receiver unit could be number one by the end of the year. Talk about what you mean by that. 
listen, obviously I'm a fan of wide receivers. <laughs> uh, and I would love to be in that wide receiver room. You got Jonathan Mingo. You got Malik Keith. You got Jalen Robinson. You got Trig. He's a tight end, but 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 he's going to get a lot of touches. You got Dennis Jackson, Braylon Brown. Uh, and you've got guys like 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 Jeremiah Dillon, who I don't know if he's going to get a lot of burn, but at the same time, if you put him out there, he could pop the top off. Uh, I'm sure I missed some guys, but the point is they're a very talented group. They're, 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 they're top-heavy, and they have some good guys on the back end, top-heavy. I mean, they have a lot of experience with Mingo, um, uh, Jalen Robinson, and Malik Keith. They got a lot of experience with those three. Uh, so I'm just interested to see with this Lane Kiffin offense what kind of numbers they're going to put up because they're going to produce. They're going to reduce. It's just to me, it's just a matter of where do they fall in the lines of the top tops in the country because I know they're going to do well. Now, um, for people that might be looking at this, can can you explain the Malik Heath situ- situation? Not not necessarily getting the weeds, but it's weird going from Mississippi State to Ole Miss, right? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not the type to to put out any any bulletin board material or anything like that. I, I train a lot of Mississippi State guys, mm-hmm. and uh, those guys, I, I love them like like they were my own. But I just think he wasn't happy. I think that he wasn't happy there with the situations, with the circumstances. He was looking for some fresh air, um, and when he was looking for some fresh air where what better place to go to play wide receiver than to Ole Miss I mean if you just look at it and you look at it from right now and if you go back in the recent history you could go even beyond that Ole Miss is synonymous for putting out really good receivers um so I do feel like I will say this if you look at the the Mike Leach offense and you kind of just really dissect it what receivers have come out out of that offense and been in the NFL? I mean, right now at the top of my head, I can think Michael Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, um, it gets kind of muddy for me. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Um, so I know that 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 if you just look at that, then you just look at okay, who would Ole Miss is coming? You could you could look to last year. You you could look at Elijah from last year uh, and beyond. So to me. Uh, I think it was a good decision. I think that, you know, obviously that's 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 pretty tough going to an in-state rival school, and I'm interested to see when we get to the Egg Bowl what that reaction is going to be like. But at the end of the day, Malik is a hard worker, um, and I cannot. He put a lot. He's put a lot of work in in the off season, and I cannot wait to see him get the fruits of his labor. All right, the 2022 team as a whole, um, how do you see it breaking down for this Ole Miss team? Well, I see them doing very well. Uh, well, it's, it's okay. It's all, contingent, <laughs> it's all contingent and hinging on what we do at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I'm not going to speculate as to who's going to start or what I've heard or whatever, but the point is, they need that quarterback situation to to be right. Jackson Dart, obviously coming in from USC, I think a lot of people are talking about him taking the starting role, but then you look at Luke Altmaier and look at him coming into the bowl game last year and of all the upside that he has. So, from my opinion, if I'm a coach, it's kind of looking at 
do I want the all the upside or do I want to put this guy in position who I had transferred here into the role? If it was me, excuse me, not if it was me, my thought process says we'll see both of them this year, obviously. I think that I'm just speculating here. I think that Jackson will start. Then I think down the line, Luke will take the reins. And Ole Miss offense will be very productive with both. Yeah, it, it's my opinion on this quarterback competition. The more that I think about it, it's like Ole Miss needs an A.J. McCarron-type quarterback. Somebody oh, yeah. that could just carry the water and do what needs to be done because there's weapons all over the field. You don't need the, honestly, Matt Corral-type guy that's going to go out and put everything on his shoulders. So maybe Luke Altmeyer has a path here. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'll say Jackson Dart does too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just kind of like who when, when they get the baton, who's going to take it and who's going to run with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with the two-quarterback situation, you, you know how it works. If you get in the game and you're hot, you kind of go with the hot hand. Um, so it's just like who's going to go with the hot hand first? Uh, I like both of them. I like both these quarterbacks, and like you said, he's got weapons literally in the backfield, at wide, tight end. I don't think, if I'm just being honest, I don't think as an offense Ole Miss has been this complete in terms of their skill players, from running back to receiver to tight end just as a whole, and as deep. It hasn't been that way in a long time. Yeah, it really hasn't. Um, we're going to take a short break and hear from betonline.net. After that, we're going to talk about Mike Espy's playing career, and I've got some questions about the three-headed monsters and Eli and all that stuff. But anyway, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your betting needs, find all of your favorite sports and events on the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. I'm assuming it just says golf because now of that LIV thing. Uh, BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say Steve is a narcissist, but he has really good guests. You can say anything like that. Just do that, and it will help others find the podcast in the future. Um, Chris Collins could not make it today. Um, The technology bugs... Um, kind of appeared again. We couldn't quite get him. But we have Mike Espy at ESPN3 all day on Twitter. Whether whether you know it or not, Mike is running a training facility in Madison. And he works with seven-on-seven teams. And he provides exposure to high school athletes that, honestly, kids in my generation did not have. Talk a little bit about that, Mike. Yeah, man. So, uh but I'm training kids from little kids up to college professional athletes of all ages, all ranges. But at the end of the day, uh, I think Mississippi is obviously one of the more under-recruited states. They're one of the more underexposed states in terms of the talent. And if you just really go up to the top per capita, we have the most NFL players in the league per capita. Um, so I think that these kids need an opportunity to shine just like a kid from anywhere else has the opportunity to shine and so we're here just trying to facilitate that to make that happen on the exposure side but not only that the 
to, to help them be ready for that exposure when it comes time for it. Yeah, it's really cool what you're doing. And um, I've, I talked to Shea Hodge a while back, and he gushed about it as well. If you look at Ole Miss's roster right now, there's so many players that you've had your hands on. If you look at Mississippi State's roster, the same thing. You guys are doing right. a phenomenal job. Appreciate it. You know, we're yeah. just trying to trying to give back to, to what we didn't have growing up. I know when I was coming up, man, my dad took me to fast camp in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, to get the type of things that we're doing here. Uh, and when I got back to to Mississippi, I felt like I was a different player. I was a different athlete. I had been exposed to, to things I wouldn't have otherwise. And sometimes it's just that exposure and just seeing something different, seeing something beyond yourself where you are can be all the difference in the world or it could give a kid an idea, man, I could do this. I could be this type of player. I was in this state and I saw this kid and I'm better than him. Now it's, hey, I'm in Mississippi. I know what that kid looks like. I know what they're doing over there, and I know what I'm doing. And so when it comes time to the recruiting and all that, and Coach Lane is going to, to this state or that state to see the kid, I want him to be able to notice me because I'm ready. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, and in line with that, um, you mentioned somebody in the first segment, Jeremiah Dillon. Tell Ole Miss fans what they can expect from Jeremiah Dillon. Dillon. Jeremiah Dillon had, is, is a receiver who has so much upside. Uh, he's tall, he's rangy, and listen, he can flat out run. Um, you know, he was teammates with another guy trained in Tylertown, Jordan Anthony, who is playing for Kentucky now, but he went to win 100 in Adidas, and he's one of the top kids in the country. But Jeremiah Dillon was right there with him. Um, except Jeremiah Dillon, he's 6'2" tall, rangy. He could pop the top off of any defense. Um, and he can go up and get the ball. He did a lot of improvements on his game his senior year. As I would imagine, he'll make more improvements, improvements this year, more improvements the next year. I look for him to do some special things up there. Yeah, I, I'm pretty fired up about him. Looking at his tape, it, it, it almost reminds me of the smoothness of those guys like Peter Warwick back in the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, I would... Um, yeah, that that's good. You know, I don't right now he doesn't have the cuts like Peter Ward. Oh no, no, no. He's not a phone booth he guy. He doesn't have the the cuts like Peter Ward, but but yeah, he's very smooth. Mm-hmm. And the thing about him is that a lot of people don't know. He has a lot more wiggle than you would think, right? No, he's not a phone booth guy, but the kid is strong, right? The kid is strong. He can move. He's got wiggle. Uh I just can't wait to see his game accelerate and see where he'll be in a year's time. All right. All right, let's move back to your playing career. Now, as you know, Bill Flowers comes on my show quite frequently, and I asked him way back to rank the 2003 receiving core based on speed. What would your ranking be based on speed? And I'll tell you what his afterwards. So, look, man, we got to go with facts. Uh, And that's – that's I go on facts. Uh, If we're just going speed, my number one would be Tay Biddle. For sure. Uh, Tay Biddle was – was it? Well, he ran track, right? He ran track uh, at Ole Miss. And second, I would say myself, I ran track. I ran track for one week at Ole Miss. And that was during the springtime. Coach Cut didn't want me running track. I wanted – they wanted me out doing stuff in the spring. Uh, and then I would say Chris Collins. You know, Chris is – is Chris is a, um, interesting. You know, he came out of high school – he broke the record in the 200-meter dash. 
Uh, I mean, that's what a lot of folks don't know. Uh, but then he got up to college. He put a little bit more weight on. But the, he was still smooth. I bet you cannot mm-hmm. find one clip of him catching the ball with a guy behind him and that guy catching him. I, 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 you probably cannot find one. So I would say Tay Biddle. I would say myself. I would say Chris Collins. Then I would say Bill Flowers. Um, and then after that, you know, I would say it's pretty much a toss-up between uh, 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 Kerry Johnson. Uh, you know what? I want to actually go with Trey Fryfogel. Trey Fryfogel was a sleeper. I don't know if he was on that 2003 team. It might have been 2002. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I would go. I'm pretty sure Bill put himself ahead of me. <laughs> but I, but before you say that, so, Bill, you know, I got – well, I'm not going to go there. I got facts. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, Bill said um, number one was Tay. That was obviously everybody goes straight to Tay as far as speed. Then he put himself, then he put you, then he put Chris Collins, then he put Kerry Johnson. Hey, that's fine. You know, I I think that, I think that, um, you know, as we get older, you know, the, 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 and this is myself included, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think as we get older, stories of ourselves, the visions of ourselves get shifted one way or the other. Listen, Bill was a phenomenal receiver, uh, a phenomenal athlete. I know coming from Alabama, he was a track guy as well. Uh, so, yes, Bill was very fast. He was very smooth. He was very fluid. I, I enjoyed Bill's game. Um, you know, but if we look on that 2003 season, and if you look at most of the games, the first play of the game was to me, uh, if you look at it, and it was something deep. Uh, we were there during the same era. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. What was it like being a receiver in, um, in an Eli Manning team? You know, um, as I got out of the game, that's when I really had more time to reflect on it. You know, when you're when you're playing, or at least when you're as young as I was with him, I, obviously I was two years younger than him, you appreciate it in the moment, but, but you don't understand the gravity of, of the type of player, the type of quarterback he was. But when I go reflect, man, he was calm, um, calm under pressure. He was always going to put you in the right situation. Um, but I'll even go beyond that. He believed in you, or at least he he made you feel like he believed in you. And as a as a teammate, as a wide receiver, man, you you need that in your quarterback. You know, there might have been a game, there might have been a practice where I ran a wrong route. Yes, there was a game where I dropped the ball. Um, Eli would always come up to me and be like, hey, man, I got you. Like, I'm coming back to you. And, like, I tell all my court, my young quarterbacks today, when I look at them and, and I see their body language, like, man, go talk to him. Go tell him you got him. Because we need that. We're, I mean, we're humans, right? Mm-hmm. If, when you drop a ball, it's easy to let that – you drop one, it's like, oh, Lord, right? Here comes another one. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but having a quarterback like Eli just instill that belief, you trust him, he's going to always put you in the right situation. And then he threw the – his balls came with such touch, and they weren't too hard. They weren't too soft. Uh, so as I had quarterbacks post-Eli, and then uh, I was in the league, I would actually simulate the way – catch the ball is like how I caught it from Jason Campbell um except it was a little bit more softer with a little bit more touch okay okay real quick uh, before we take the next break what's an atmosphere that you played in that you you remember that really stands out 
every year LSU, every LSU game. Uh, I remember my my freshman year, we went to LSU. And when we went there, the bus pulled up, and then the bus starts rocking from side to side. And we're all like, what's going on? It was the fans. It was the LSU fans were rocking our bus from side to side. And I'm going to tell you what, if you if you really want to fire up a team, if you really want to get that blood flowing and that energy going, man, do something like that. It's just that hostile energy, that hostile environment. When you're coming in and and it's nothing. As soon as you make a big play, or as soon as you do something like that, to hear the, the crowd go quiet, it's one of the best feelings in the world. So, I would say LSU. I also would say LSU at home. That 2003 year. Oh yeah, that was special. Stands, I don't know where it stands in the record, but it's probably one of the more attended games. Um, and then honestly, I would say like a Auburn when we went to Auburn that okay. year. It was so loud. Like I. It's, it's to me. It's the way the stadiums are built. I feel like Auburn goes more straight up. LSU goes out more like that, and so it's almost like the fans are closer. Uh, and it was loud, but by far the best atmosphere, the most enjoyable atmosphere was at LSU, and then at home against LSU. Okay, what's it like to play um, in Mississippi State with those cowbells going? Oh, man, it's one of the most annoying things, like, in the world, honestly. Uh, you know, it can be – there can be times they can get so loud it's hard to hear. But it's but to me, the, the effect of the cowbells, it wasn't so much that it was just loud and you couldn't hear. It was just more like it was just annoying, right? Because they, they, they do the cowbells at any and everything. Uh, so let's just say that I wasn't a fan of them, naturally. Okay. Yeah, whenever, let's see, I've been down to Starkville. Let's see, I've got through, like, we crossed over. I was there with, um, when Chris Johnson was the video guy, so you would have been there at that point, and early Biff. Um, and so we went down to Starkville, I guess that would have been 2004, maybe? And they got all in. I think they won that game. They were really excited and everything. And then, like, Tuesday of the following week, I still heard that buzzing. Yeah, it, it, it's a unique sound. Yeah, because it, 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 it really just sounds. If anybody doesn't know what the cowboys sound like, it sounds like bees. It really, yeah. when everybody starts doing it, and it just gets so annoying. It's almost like tinnitus. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah so I, I, you're right. It's like it's this, it's this annoying sound that stays mm-hmm. in your head, and it just. And at the end of the day, I look back and I think like, why? And you know what? Somebody told me, uh, I trained Fred Brown, who was a wide receiver at Mississippi State, and for somehow we got on the subject of the Cowboys. And he said that, now I didn't know this, but he said that the way the cowboy cowbell thing works is you're supposed to be gifted a cowbell. Okay? Like, you're, like so if you go to the store and buy your own cowbell, that's, that's like not the tradition. You're supposed to be gifted the cowbell. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, all these people are not being gifted cowbells. They're going out and buying them. And then we laughed about it. Um, so that was just an interesting thing that I didn't know. Yeah. All right. We're going to um, come back and talk about 2004 um, and the three-headed monster right after this. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for updates whenever we put a new video up, which happens quite frequently. 
uh, up right now is a breakdown of Jackson Dart, is a breakdown of Luke Altmaier. High school coach came in and talked about those players. If you want to spend 10 minutes watching that, I would appreciate it. It's on the page now. But subscribe to that, hit the bell, and of course, upvote the video itself. I'm here with Mike Espy. Chris Collins couldn't make it. Technology got, got us today. We've talked about um, fall camp in the first segment. We talked about really 2003. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the three-headed monsters. Because, Mike, you've seen the quarterback competition go both ways. You saw the ascendancy of Eli Manning. And then you saw in 2004 when it just didn't work. And it's probably the reason I get scared whenever people say both players are going to play. Because if that goes on too far... It can be a it can be problematic. Talk about that 2004 season. 2004 season, man. To to say the least, it was rough. It it, it was rough. I I feel like uh, obviously Coach Cut, phenomenal coach. Uh, you know, but Michael Spurlock is an amazing athlete. He's an amazing athlete. Little side note. We played them in high school, and I went to Madison Central. We played Indianola Gentry. Uh, we were 15-0, and 0, We but we played Spurlock that year. We had to score 75 points uh, on him because we didn't know what he was going to do, and, and we won 75 to 60-something. But his, re- his receivers dropped a lot of balls, and he was putting right in the chest. Anyway, it was tough, man. You had Spurlock. You had uh, Ethan Flatt. And you had Robert Lane. Uh, you know, and if I'm being honest, I would have loved to see Spurlock play in a different style of offense. I, I feel like that that there was some Eli woes, meaning that Spurlock was in there playing in the same system that Eli Manning was playing under. And they're just two different quarterbacks. They do two different type of quarterbacks. They have uh, different skill sets. And so he wasn't able to, to shine or play at the best visibility because he wasn't set up for success. He just wasn't. Uh, and I think that I, that's what I take from that season the most uh, because I know how special of a quarterback he is. I know in practice, if you would have watched us practice, you would have thought we were going to put up amazing numbers in the game, but then we get in the game and it just didn't translate. But that's that's the reason, man. It it was tough. It was tough doing that. Like I, I didn't like the different quarterback systems. Uh, I wanted to go in and I wanted to go in with my man, my, my Spurlock. I wanted to go in with him and him be hot. But he just wasn't set up for success. Now, when they started to do different things like moving him out the pocket, which didn't happen often, moving him out the pocket, uh, getting some QB draws, things like that, just, just to kind of get him rolling. We had a little bit of success. Uh, but I just think that that was uh, that was I wish that was different. All right, uh, describe a little bit the differences between. If I'm not mistaken, you were there for the first year of Coach O. Is that correct? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. What's the differences between? Explain to people the differences between Cut and Orgeron. Oh man, Cut was a little bit more laid back, but but when I say laid back, I don't mean in a way of. Um, he wasn't stern or anything like that because he was one of the most stern coaches and he didn't take anything. Um, but he just had a different approach to it. Uh, he would kind of talk to you and, and, and he wanted to groom men. That was his big thing. He wanted to win games, but he wanted to groom men. He wanted us to be good men on and off the field. I know that in the Cotton Bowl, I caught a touchdown pass 
and I I got up hit my chest, uh, you know, kind of celebrating. And Cut didn't like that. You know, I went on the I went on the sideline, and he was like, "Don't do that." But like the real reason why I did that, it wasn't more of a, a celebratory thing. I did that because I was emotional. Because uh, the first drive of the game, I ran a dig. Eli hit me on the money, and I dropped it. Okay, and then Eli came back to me, said, "I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you." And then so when he did that, the ball came to me. I caught it. I was emotional because I was like, "Man, it's here!" Like I was thinking about the past before. So that's why I was. But anyway, cut shut shut me down real fast. Um, but Ozron, man, listen, Ozron was in your face. Ozron was in your face. Uh, he was a player's coach at the same time. I feel like he had that intimidation thing that he tried to do to you. Right? Cut's approach was, let me talk to you like a man. And listen, there are two different approaches, and I'm not saying either one of them is wrong. But Cut would talk to you, try to talk to you like a man, try to give you the what's going on and the rationale of why that's happening. Ozron was just like, half the time, I don't know what he said, but he was more like, um, uh, yeah, he was just yelling in your face and trying to get you right. They were both different approaches, but to see where Ogeron, how he grew as a coach is nothing short of amazing, right? To see the, the coach at LSU won a national championship, that was a different coach than the one that his first year at Ole Miss. So it's, it's great to see the growth. Yeah, okay. And before we get out of here, give the fans that are watching this the one – give them one thing that they, they can look at as a sign that this team is going to be good. Okay, so I mean uh... – so I, I can think of, I mean, there are a lot of signs, but, yeah. man, this team, there are a lot of games in the beginning of the season where as you would look at them, as a fan, you would say, man, this is an easy win. But at the same time, realistically speaking, there's not, there's never an easy win because at the end of the day, you have to prepare you have to go out and execute. When you see this team executing, we're going to come out. Everything's just not going to be perfect when we come out game one, game two, and even game three. But as you watch this team execute, the offense just get better. The defense just get better. And it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who we play. When, we, when you see them firing on all cylinders, doing the little things right, then, then that's a good team. All right. All right. Get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Host Chris Gordy and the local experts, that's me, of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen, Locked On SEC. Mike Espy joining us today. Thank you very much for spending the time with us today. And um, I, I hope all goes well, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right.